Hi, I'm Charlie Day and you're listening to the Sales is Easy podcast. I audaciously claim that sales is easy if you just know how, and I am here to show you how. On this podcast, I'm going to be talking all things sales, getting more leads, following up, closing the sale down, upselling, downselling. I'm going to be chatting to people about their business and how they do sales, different strategies and different opinions. So let's get started and let's get selling. Everybody and welcome to another episode of Sales is Easy if you just know how. Today I am joined by the lovely Naomi Holbrook. Naomi is the midlife transformation mentor and she empowers women 40 plus to revolutionize their happiness, health and hormones. Hello and welcome Naomi. Hello Charlie, thank you for having me on. I'm excited. I'm excited to have this conversation. So tell tell me everything. Like, how did you come about becoming a midlife transformation mentor? I mean, like, what Who does? Journey, yeah, exactly. What journey <laughs> leads you to that? <laughs> a fairly big journey, but it didn't start out as a big journey. It started out at 39 when my own health, physical, mental and emotional was not in a good place at all. I had thrown myself into my career of sort of 20, 21 years at that point. I had neglected my health throughout, um, drinking too much alcohol, eating all the wrong foods, just really, really not looking after myself at all. And at 39, I was clinically obese. I had the worst mental health depression. I had not let go of a lot of trauma that I'd suffered as a teenager. And I just had a really big wake up call on my 39th birthday. I was like, I do not want to get to 40 and feel like this. Because I think, you know, at 39, 40 is like mid life it almost feels a bit like a death sentence and I lost I lost my mum when she was in midlife she was 45 when she got chronically ill 52 when she died and I think even in my 20s and my 30s I was very aware of what midlife might look like and at 39 it was a big wake-up call to me you know my doctors told me I was pre-diabetic because I was clinically obese and you know not looking after my health And I started my midlife transformation then. But really, at the time, I just thought I was on a weight loss journey. You know, I was desperate to lose weight. I told myself that when I got to a size 10, my life would be perfect. I'd be happy. I'd meet the man of my dreams. Everything would just be rosy. (laughs) And here I am at 48. (laughs) And my transformation journey has evolved no end over the last nine years. What started out as... I need to lose weight to, you know, to improve my confidence, to feel happy in my life has actually turned into a journey of unbecoming, of letting go, of embracing the menopause journey that I'm on, that I've been on for about eight years and just creating this new self to not just get through this next part of life and and get through the menopause, but to actually embrace it and thrive through it. And that is the journey that I have been on and continue to to go on. It continues to evolve. And now I get the absolute joy and privilege of helping 
so many other women in midlife to achieve their version of that. Not my version, we're all different, but to achieve their version of revolutionizing their midlife. I've got so I'm writing notes because I've got so much, <laughs> so much to say on this. Um, but first of all, let's talk about this sort of diet culture world that we live in. And only this morning, I, I follow Alex Light on yes, oh, Alex Light London. Yes, me too. Um, on Instagram, and she was talking about, and I've seen her talk about this before. But obviously, Victoria Beckham's like all over the press at the moment. Yes. But when Victoria Beckham was on the Chris Evans show and they weighed her and Chris Evans said eight stone, not too bad after just having a baby. And just I mean, you'd never, ever get away with that now. But yeah. I don't think that it was anything that anybody thought was shocking at the time. Like everybody was talking about how um how much people weighed and that how you needed to be thin and 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 that was the culture that we grew up in and I I know myself myself like my mum was always on a diet and her mum was always on a diet and that's just the world that we we were brought up in and and how much of that had an impact on you and the way that you ended up at 39. Yeah, absolutely huge. And you just said there about like always watching your mum on a diet and, you know, God rest my mum's soul. Obviously, she's not here. And I would never want her to think that she had passed on things to me that harmed my life. But at the end of the day, monkey see, monkey do. And it's not genetics. It's because we copy the behaviours of our parents and our role models, and that can be grandparents, not just parents, or, you know, whoever it is that's close to us in those years that are so influential to us. And, and like you, you know, I, I still recall it now, I can still see my mum every year, a month before we were going on our holiday, you know, in the 80s, doing some fad diet, which back then I didn't even realize what it was. But, you know, she was either just boiling up cabbage soup and eating cabbage soup when we were sat down having our meals or she was you know going to a diet club with friends or whatever it might be and every time we were going on holiday there was a new diet and you know my mum got very very sick when I was 12 and I my mum had always used food as a showing of her love to us she worked very very hard as did my dad and she used to work night shift she was an, a theater sister a nurse and Whenever we came home from school, if she wasn't going to be there, there would always be a chocolate bar and a note. There would always be home-baked cookies and a note. So for me, there was always a um, correlation between love and food. And I know that that's the same for so many people and so many women that I speak to. They're like, yes, food was always shown as love. And, you know, you passed your exams, you got taken to the wimpy at the end of term and, you know, all those things. I can remember like my birthdays as a teenager being allowed to have crusher milkshakes with ice cream in it. And it's like all those things, all those foods, all those memories, they create neural pathways. Mm. And throughout my teens, you know, I lost my mum as a, as a teenager and I then used alcohol and food but actually at the age of 14 I had my first tubs of slim fast in the back of my wardrobe I used to pretend that I'd eaten at a friend's house I'd then go to my bedroom make a slim fast shake you know my stomach would be rumbling because I felt even back then that I was fat I wasn't I look back at the photos and I was 
so slim, but I realize now it was body image and it was the behaviors that I had seen from my mum that were then kind of obviously sort of, I guess, getting into my mindset. Back then, we didn't have social media. We didn't have the magazines really so much to influence or or TV or things so much. But I guess, you know, we watched Neighbours and, you know, Kylie was slim and she always had the guy. And, you know, I, I think you're just programmed over time to see certain things as good and certain things as bad. So for me, comfort food, alcohol was just in my 20s and my 30s. It was a theme. It was and I look back now and realize it was a friend. It was a friend that never let me down, always there, even when the guys came and went, even when the jobs came and went, even when family situations were difficult, the bag of Maltesers, the tub of haagen the bottle of wine, they were always there. They were always a constant. And I suppose I didn't realize it at the time, but it's only since I've, you know, gone through my transformation journey and done the work on my mindset and my identity that I realized how much of a crutch that was and how much I use them to soothe, to soothe my emotions, to soothe trauma, loss, grief, you know, heartbreak, all those different things. And you've only got to watch, haven't you? Like, you know, you look back and look at Bridget Jones, what's she doing after heartbreak? in her pyjamas, bucket of haagen ice cream, bottle of wine. And it's it's just so cliche. Yeah, You don't, you don't see her going out for a walk in the park <laughs> and having a banana. Yeah. <laughs> or eating a high-protein meal. She's got a bottle of wine and a tub of haagen Of course she has. I need to contact the makers of Bridget Jones and remake it. Yeah, a rerun. And what she needed was a good walk, a bit of talk therapy and, you know, a high protein meal. Yeah, brilliant. Great. And she felt so much better afterwards. And actually, it was all resolved. Um, I think there's two things. I think one is like on neuropathways and what has been modeled to us. And the other thing that um, you briefly touched on there, which has certainly been true for me, is the education around it. Um, you know, even even some things like I have been on a health and fitness journey for a while, and that for me for a long time looked like running, which running is amazing, but lifting weights is so much better for me in terms of like body shape and and learning about my own body and what works and what I should put in to get the best of of me. That has been such an education. And I, if I'm honest, has been learned through the internet. So pre the internet, like what options did we have? Yeah, we we didn't. And I think this is something that I hear so much from women in midlife. You know, quite often I would say mid 40s, sort of early 50s, is that some think they know everything that they need to know because they've seen and done all the diets dieting is not looking after your health it is not sustainable weight loss it is not sustainable weight management it certainly doesn't work once you enter perimenopause and menopause and you're you're absolutely right we haven't been educated i you know i even sometimes now do um sort of talks to teenagers to university students to help to educate them now rather than do what we're all doing in our 30s 40s and 50s trying to undo everything that we've done wrong for the last 
probably 20, 30 years. Mm. The education just isn't there. And unfortunately as well, obviously, marketing is so huge and we won't go down the sort of politics route, but we need people to be sick. You know, we need people to be obese. We need people to have mental health problems because it keeps drug companies in in business um, and it keeps taxes being paid and all those different things. But for me, it's something that I'm so passionate about, not just empowering my clients, but educating them. Yeah. For life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and so talk me through, because I'm I'm interested. This is me just being nosy. Um, what does that look like for you now? Do you not drink alcohol? Do you work out every day? Like, or is it balanced? Like what what is it? So for the first time in my life, I have something called harmony. Sounds magical. And I tend to use it rather than the word balance because I think balance, we think of these scales and when one's down here and it's kind of like this. So I kind of got rid of that thought process, especially like within business as well of, you know, I was always craving for work-life balance. I was always craving for balance. Instead, I think of it as harmony and I am not teetotal. I I never sort of wanted, I say I never wanted to. I went nine months without a drink. At 39, I stopped drinking for nine months. I didn't plan to stop drinking for nine months. I just knew that I needed to get alcohol out of my life to make some long-term changes. And after nine months, you know, I think there was an occasion or something. And I thought, no, I'm going to have a drink. And there was a little bit of fear of, oh my gosh, am I going to like have a drink? And then it's going to be like, here we go again. And it wasn't. And now I can take it or leave it. I think I had a gin and tonic a couple of weeks ago when I went to the theatre. And I may not have another alcoholic drink until a week, two weeks time. I sometimes go months without it. It doesn't appear in my thought process anymore. I never sort of think, oh my God, Friday night. Yeah, I'm desperate to have a drink. Um, I, you know, will go through most weekends without having any alcohol not because of willpower, not because I don't want it, because it just isn't kind of a big, you know, it's not a a factor in my life anymore. And exactly the same with food. I eat a nutrient dense diet, 80 to 90% of the time. I fuel my body on everything that's real, that's nourishing, but oh my God, I still have a little bag of Maltesers and I still have an ice cream. And this Friday night, when I move my dad into his new place, we will have fish and chips together. Love that. But I don't have those foods anymore for comfort or for, you know, an urge and a desire. I have them now because I want to have it. I'll have a much smaller portion. I won't then want to kind of like go into the whole, let's have more, let's have more. So yeah, I've, I've found a harmony and a peace with, within, you know, what I put into my body and the same with exercise. I exercise every day. I, you know, I do my 12,000 steps every day. That's like my minimum kind of benchmark, but I weight train, I go and do box fit, but I don't kind of, it, again, I, Saturday morning, I actually cancelled my class, which I would rarely do, but I just needed to have a little bit of rest. I needed a little bit of recovery. And whereas in the past that would have led me to beat myself up because, oh my God, I cancelled a class and now I might as well just eat everything because I've just, you know, I've ruined it. I've ruined it. Now I'm just like so forgiving and kind to myself and I do 
90, 80 to 90% of the time, I do everything that's investing in my health. But yeah, 10 to 20% of the time, I let my hair down a little bit and enjoy myself. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, Interestingly, I have, I, I didn't drink for the first eight months of this year. And I was sat in um, a training on high performance last year. And we were talking about like having an edge on other people. And I enjoy a drink. Okay, I do. I'll put it out there. I've said it now. I've said it in front of Naomi. There is no shame. There is no judgment. (laughs) But I was sort of sitting there in this training thinking, I know exactly what I could do in order to have an edge over someone else. And um, it was that, stopping drinking. And I have stopped drinking before. The longest time was six months. I think my problem is I'm, and I hate people who say, I'm such an all or nothing type of person. Like, oh, aren't you pleased with yourself? Um, But, you know, the best way for me is just like completely cut it out. And then I went to Disneyland, Florida, and my sister decided three weeks before to come um, with us. And that's where I had a margarita in Animal Kingdom. I was like, you know, um, why why not? Why wouldn't you have a margarita in Animal Kingdom? And like you're on holiday, you don't probably need a 1% edge over anyone else unless you're going to really try and do the Disney parks to the best of their ability. But um, but the same thing that you're saying, since then, I've really noticed that, you know, on a weekend, I'm not thinking about alcohol. Or you might just like the whole weekend passes me by and I'm like, oh, God, I haven't had a drink. That's yeah. unlike old Charlie. Um, I think the reason that I have done these things is sometimes to challenge myself and challenge what I'm capable of. That's the whole reason I started running in the first place because I was like terrible at sport. And then I was like, oh, I wonder if I could learn to run. And then it was like, wonder if I could do a 10K half marathon. And, you know, again, it's just like me wanting to prove something to myself. But when you realize that on the other side of that, you feel so much better mentally, physically, all of the things you've got more energy it's it's almost like this is what I was um saying to my husband the other day I get addicted to the outcomes of things yes I think when you can attach yourself to that it's like why do you get up at 5am and I'm like it's difficult to explain and I don't want anybody to feel bad about not getting up at 5am because you absolutely don't like you do you and if you've got small kids or like just go with what works for you but I'm so addicted to the outcomes. So I have to continue to do it. But you have to get yourself on that journey. And that is the hardest thing, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Because again, we think we have to use this motivation and willpower, this, Mm. you know, kind of life force that does it exist? Yes, but in really small doses. It's why I work on helping ladies to change their mindset and their identity, because I don't have motivation and willpower and the old Naomi would never have got up at 5, 5.36 to work out in the morning to get out and do, you know, 5K walk or a run or get in the sea and have a cold water swim, cold shower every day. The old me would never have done that because I didn't like discomfort. I didn't like to push myself. I quite like to do the bare minimum at times. And it is only when, like you say, that you you attach that feeling to the outcome and you start to enjoy the process, even the uncomfortable, messy parts, the pain when you're doing your workout, that, oh, my God, just one more. 
when you know what that outcome is and that feeling is, you just want more of it. How do you approach that then? Because I know that a lot of people who maybe need your help might think that they want to lose weight for a certain deadline or they want to learn to have exercise for for like a thing. But actually what you want to teach them is they need to do this for the rest of their lives, really. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a really, really good point because... I know that I was like that, you know, I want to be this weight by a certain time or this dress size by a certain event. So I was always attaching a short term goal rather than a long term goal of it being a lifestyle change, which is why diets don't work, because it's you're on it. And then as soon as you're off it, the weight all piles back on. And, you know, funny enough, I was talking about this last night. I was interviewing one of my lovely clients from the Midlife Transformation Program, where I've been mentoring her for 13 weeks. And I interviewed her and, and streamed it into my community. And, you know, we were talking last night and and she reminded me that she didn't come to my program for weight loss. She came to my program because she was deeply unhappy in menopause, had gone through a lot of loss and grief. Her marriage was under a lot of pressure. She literally told me when we spoke that, you know, every day was like Groundhog Day. She wasn't enjoying any parts of her life at all. She was literally just surviving every single day. And Whilst weight loss wasn't her goal, you know, I remember her sort of saying, you know, if I lose a few pounds, I I know I need to, that would be great. And 13 weeks later, she's lost 23 pounds of fat and not been trying to lose it, not been dieting, but because we've made small changes to her lifestyle and but small, sustainable changes, nothing fad, nothing crazy. She's been away on holidays. She's had her wedding anniversary. She's celebrated her birthday, all these different things by just making these small tweaks in her lifestyle. And everything now is becoming a behavior and a habit. So there's none of this, I'm doing it for a certain time frame. It's a, I'm doing this to improve how I feel every single day. And in her words, she said to me, there is no way I am going back to where I was before. And that's and that's what I help women to do is to re-educate them and empower them, but also to help them to change those old beliefs, those old behaviors, to help them to ingrain new beliefs, new behaviors, new habits that are part of that new healthier lifestyle. Yeah, and I always think about it because, and like, I, I think I could, I could see myself not drinking at all because the benefit, the benefits are so much like even me who loves to drink. And like, I was at a party last weekend and I had a, I had a one glass of wine too many. So I still like get to that point, even though I can like have weekends where I don't drink, but I can imagine like cutting it out completely and living without it because of the benefits. But I always think it's about tiny percentage shifts. Like if I'm just a tiny bit better today than I was yesterday, then I'm moving in the right direction. And so you can't even see where you'll be. Same as sales, same as sales. Let's bring it back to that. You know, I'm saying to you, Naomi, follow up every day, follow. And and people can't see how they would be doing that for an hour a day, how they'd be loving their lead gen. But when you do it 
for five minutes a day and then you see the benefits and you think, oh my gosh, I'll do it for 10 minutes a day. And it's exactly the same thing, isn't it? With any habits, tiny, tiny bits of progress in the right direction. Absolutely. The compound effect, Mm. as they talk about. And that's what I always talk about with my clients is that it's about recognizing those small wins. Don't ever overlook those small wins, whether it's in sales, whether it's in your business, whether it's in your health journey, every little bit of evidence that you have of winning at something will help you to shift your belief system and will help you to, you know, sort of stack that up over time. You know, I I always remember my dad saying, look after the pennies and the pennies will look after the pounds. And it's so true though, you know, it's, we, we just, we, we don't take, we take it for granted the three quid that we spend here on a coffee, the 15 pound here that we spend on whatever, but actually if we put all those bits away and stack them and, you know, and invested them, then actually we'd have a pretty big win at the end of it. Yeah. And that's what people struggle with, isn't it? It's like looking after this now, to have great wins later on, whether that's in your health and fitness, whether that's in your business, whether that's financially. We all want instant gratification. I think that's becoming more and more of a thing. Obviously, we like work with a lot of people who potentially might be ADHD and and ADHD is, is a big instant gratification. But I think the more the world becomes this place that is social media and tech and all of the things, we're all looking for instant gratification. And I think it's about finding those mini gratification. This is what I do. This secrets to inside Charlie's mind. Um, like give myself little wins along the way so that that I can get on the path to those big wins. And the other thing that I do, I mean, you're the expert here, but I'm just like, you know, I'm more looking for you to go, yes, Charlie, you're doing amazing. Um, <laughs> just, just so you know. Um, is like really sit in that moment. So the cold water thing is is a, a no-go for me. It's a real struggle. But, you know, you live and learn. Small percentage shifts, who knows? But I got in the sea in Spain and I was umming and ahhing about whether to do it early morning in the sea in Spain, which is obviously not as cold as like England, but it was chilly. And just having that moment of like, oh my gosh, this feels amazing. I feel amazing. I got in. I did it even though it was hard. And having those moments, I think in the past, past Charlie didn't do that. I'd just work out and then, you know, tick box, you know, business owners work out, tick the box, move on. But I actually think sitting in that has certainly helped me. Yeah, I I love hearing that because honestly, that is that is what I really, really encompass with all the ladies that I mentor is enjoy the process, Mm. however messy it is uncomfortable it is what you learn about yourself in it and uh, you know I I attempted to climb Mont Blanc in at the end of August this year and we didn't make the summit and it was really interesting afterwards so many people said to me what a waste gosh you must feel devastated that you wasted nine months training for it and I realized that that was their fixed mindset on you do something to get the desired outcome. I learned more about myself by not achieving the summit and failing. And the whole of that process, that whole of that journey of 2023 was never about getting to the summit. It was about getting uncomfortable, pushing myself out of my comfort zone, doing things that I feared, 
it's that part of the journey because otherwise if I hadn't embraced all that journey I would have been devastated nine months to not achieve a goal but also we know as entrepreneurs that get comfortable with failing yeah 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 I want to climb a mountain do it I've climbed a lot this year a lot of mountains as part of the training and I will go back and I will accomplish Mont Blanc um it wasn't meant to happen this year no how did you get on that journey of climbing Mont Blanc (laughs) it was never one I anticipated where I I remember when I told my dad I phoned him up and I said um by the way I'm I'm climbing Mont Blanc next year and his words were of course you are (laughs) it's nothing nothing surprises him anymore although if the old Naomi 10 years ago would have said to my dad I'm climbing Mont Blanc there would have been a far different conversation but now it's like of course you are um last year I in the summer I was thinking I need a new challenge you know I've poured my life and soul into my business over the last few years and I just thought I need a new physical and mental challenge I used to do obstacle course racing um, and then I stopped that when the sort of pandemic hit and I was like I need something new and I put a post up on Facebook and I was like come on everybody give me your suggestions and there was like marathon swim the channel because I always I already do cold water swimming and just nothing kind of made me go that's it and then Somebody who I was connected with on social media, we actually shared the same business coach. He attempted it last year. And when I saw all his pictures, I just remember sending him a message saying, oh, my God, if you ever do it again, please, I'd love to come. And about three weeks later, he sent me a message and said, Mont Blanc, August 2023, you in question mark. And I just went back with two words. Hell yes. Didn't have to think about it. I didn't ask one single question about the cost, about how long, about the training. Um, And then it was like, we're going to be training really hard for eight months. And I was like, holy crap. Um, (laughs) But you know what? One thing I have learned at 48, and I wish I'd known this 10 years ago, 20 years ago, is that when you choose the challenges in your life, all the challenges that come up that get thrown at you are so much easier to deal with Mm. because you're willing to get uncomfortable. You're willing to do things that other people aren't willing to do. And, but to get that result. And like you said, everything is about instant gratification. Now we're so reliant upon what, you know, can I have a delivery in five minutes? Can I get my pizza now? Can I get my Amazon order by 10 o'clock tonight? we're very rarely willing to put in eight months of work unless we've got a guaranteed outcome. There was no guarantee with my outcome. And I guess that was, for me, a huge part of the process. Mm. It's so true, isn't it? Because I did a half marathon a couple of weekends ago and and I missed the third half marathon I've done. So I wasn't, well, I was a little bit scared actually because I'd missed the long run before the marathon because my life was just chaotic and my little boy was really struggling at school and like loads of valid reasons that I didn't do the long run. I was worried about it, but it was fine. And and knowing that running is mindset um, made me think, I know I'll get through it. It's just in what time, right? Then this weekend, I've gone and ran the, the, the park run in like one of the fastest times I've ever done it because 
after running a half marathon the park runs like a breeze and I think about that like everything in business like go and do something hard if there's something that you're dreading go and do something that you find really hard and then come back to the thing that you you dread and it's easier and yeah it's just about about finding those wins but I now want to climb Mont Blanc I've always wanted to climb a mountain so yeah let's go um so what was the point you've obviously been on this massive journey yourself had loads of success with it what was the point when you realized that you could do this for other people, that you wanted to do it for other people? Talk to me about yeah. that. So I walked out of my 21 year career at 41. Um, even though I'd started my physical health journey at 39 and lost weight and all of those things, I realized that I still wasn't happy. I still wasn't fulfilled. I still had dreadful depression, anxiety, all those different things. And at 41, I remember it, I was only sort of thinking about it this morning, December, 2015, I was in the worst place mentally. And I was commuting to London still. And I just thought, I can't, I just don't know how much longer I can do this for. And it got to a point where I was like, actually, I can't do this any longer. And I did the unthinkable just walked out of my 21 year career, resigned, nothing to go to, no plan B. And I just sat down and thought, what do I want to do with the next 25 plus years of my working life? I don't want to do something that feels like a chore every day. I want to do something that feels like that lights me up. And one thing I had done when I had, you know, lost weight for myself was a couple of friends had sort of messaged me and said, oh, my God, my cousin really needs your help and this. And I just done it like, you know, oh, you know what, I'll give them some tips. I'll give them some accountability and set up some little groups and things. And oh, my God, shock horror. I was good at it and they got results. And I was like, OK, well, maybe this maybe there's something in this. And I had a mentor from the U.S., when I was in my corporate career and I reached out to her and I said, look, could we just have a chat? And, you know, we had a chat and I said, look, this is what I'm thinking about doing, but I know I need to get qualified. I need certifications. And she was like, you don't need any of that. You've got all the life experience. You've got what you need. But, you know, my belief system was very much, I need a certificate. So I did. I retrained. I become, became a certified nutrition and weight management coach at first Everything I did in my business was about helping women with weight loss, because at the time that was what my journey had been. But as I've gone through my 40s and cleared myself of depression for the first time in, you know, 30 plus years, no longer on any medication, even though I've had a spinal surgery, I used to have chronic pain, I couldn't even walk up the stairs at the end of the day, I used to have to sleep on my sofa, um, because I couldn't manage to get up the stairs to go to bed at night, um, to now climbing mountains. Um, I've realized on this journey, especially as I've entered perimenopause and started the menopause journey, that it's so much more than weight loss. It's so much more than health. It's about physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. And that is how my journey has evolved. And I guess as it's evolved and as I've helped other women, it's made me realize that it sounds cliche. It sounds a bit woo-woo, but I realize now that it's the it's the purpose that I was given. It's why I was meant to walk out of my career at 41. It's maybe even why I went through the trauma I did as a teenager to be able to now serve and help 
other women to become free of all the baggage that has kind of dragged them down in midlife? Just a question on the qualifications that you did, because this is something I have with so many clients. Did you need them? Honestly, probably not. No. Probably not. Um, I do I feel happier that I have them? Yeah. Yes, I think I do. Okay. I think I feel that I have the authority there because I'm certified and because I went through that training process. But honestly, I think that if I look at it, a lot of what I educate and empower my clients on inside the program has come from my life experience. Mm. And I just feel like this is the perfect job for you because you're so just lovely. And like, I, I don't know, there's just a very warmthness. <laughs> That's not a word, but it's going to be one now. <laughs> um, about you that that just makes you very easy to talk to. So I can imagine a lot of women just, you know, feel safe and tell you everything. And the more you know, presumably, the more you can help them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it is really interesting you say that because I have women on calls with me and in my messenger and they say to me, I've told you things that I've never told my husband. I've never told my family. And I know what that feels like because I actually didn't, I, I went through therapy in 2019 and 2020. I did 20 months of psychotherapy to help me heal from the trauma that I had as a teenager. I went 25 years after my mum died without ever talking about the grief and the trauma and everything else and I know that the first day that I had my first appointment with my psychotherapist and obviously I'm not a psychotherapist but you know I am helping women at a really vulnerable and difficult time of life where sometimes we feel shame that we're at this stage in life where we haven't got it all figured out or things have become quite a mess you know I remember feeling nothing but shame that at 39, I was a successful career woman, and yet I could not figure out how to manage my weight and how to control alcohol and food in my life. I remember at 41 feeling shame that I walked out of my 21-year career because my mental health had declined so rapidly. So one thing I'm, you know, just embrace so much, and it's a message that I have in with all the clients that, that I coach, is that shame all of those things they're just you know there's no judgment there's no shame it's about helping and it's about getting to that sort of root source so yeah I hope that that makes me approachable and makes women feel that they can share things with me and I I know that it is something that so many women share with me I think it's you know again it it goes back to our upbringing and what I was saying at the beginning about our parents dieting and and watching that but I feel like now you know my little boy's six he's going to be seven and if something happens at school or like whatever you're like and how do you feel about that and you know and and that when I was a child it was just like yep (laughs) you know shit happens you deal with it and when we know better we do better but until we know it's difficult for us to change our ways isn't it yeah you don't know what you don't know. And and I have, you know, and I know now that it's the ego that keeps us in that place of believing that we know everything. And if I had believed at 39 that I knew everything, 
I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have had this transformation journey myself. I wouldn't be able to help other women to do it. And you're so right that we we don't know what we don't know. No, no. Oh my gosh, Naomi, I could chat to you all day. You're so like, I've loved this conversation. It's been really interesting. And, you know, usually on my podcast, I spend a lot of time talking about business and this has not been about business, but it. I know firsthand that looking after all of this stuff that we've spoken about has such a massive impact on my business. And I'm yeah. sure that you've found that too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of the women that I coach, when they come to me in midlife, they're struggling with their career, they're struggling with their business, they're struggling with all those different areas. You know, one thing that we do know about perimenopause and menopause is that it will have a huge impact on confidence. And one thing that I have learned, you know, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you four years ago. I wouldn't have been comfortable to come onto a podcast to you know be published in magazines to now be writing a book to to publish next year it is all these small pieces that I have I guess put into my belief bank that have now got me to a stage where I yes of course there's still some fear sometimes of oh my gosh I'm going to do this but actually it's all those things that have helped me to become, you know, the person that I am in my business that have helped my clients to start their own businesses or to leave 30 years after redundancy and start something new. How we do anything is how we do everything. And sometimes I, sometimes that saying makes me kind of a bit like, oh, but also it's true. Yeah. If we don't change ourselves. I had this conversation earlier this week with somebody, you know, it's really hard for us to admit that we are the problem, but we're also the solution. And when we change things within ourselves, it changes the relationships around us. It changes our health. It changes our business. It changes all those different elements. And you're so right that when you get those elements kind of aligned, business, everything will flourish as a result. I always end my podcast by asking everybody, you know, I audaciously claim that sales is easy if you just know how. And that's my question for everyone who comes onto the podcast, which since we haven't been talking about business seems a bit fragmented to say, Naomi, do you believe sales is easy if you just know how? But I wonder if you can talk about this because I think a lot of my clients who I work with who are in this sort of health and wellness space, let's put you in that bracket, for this question um struggle with the fact that you know you are still making sales yes you've got this gift that you can help people you can transform their life and how amazing is that and you know you're saving people at times but you are still having to sell and you are still a salesperson so uh, and I imagine that was weird going from like a corporate career to selling something that you had just found you know so yeah talk us through that is, is sales easy oh. found sales easy <laughs> So the, the short answer is yes, if you keep it simple. Mm -hmm. And yes, if you remember that it's serving. So even if you take away the selling and it's serving. And the irony is I actually spent the majority of my 20-year career in sales and operations. Um, and I think then to start your own business and not to be selling a product, because I was always selling products, 
not to be selling a product, but to be selling a solution, which is what I do. I don't sell 16 week programs. I sell a future. I sell a new version of you. I sell a, you know, improved, happier life. And I think that that is a hard thing sometimes to get around. And I know I look back at some, you know, some notebooks that I had from when I first started my business. And I was thinking about like, oh, you know, how much can I charge? And I wrote down like 45 pounds a month for like a membership and, you know, all this coaching and all this support that they would get within it because I didn't, I guess I didn't really know the value of what I was doing and the outcome and, and look, you know, very much like you, I've invested probably the best part of 60,000 pounds, maybe more over the last couple of years to, you know, go on personal development days, to have coaches and mentors, to, um, you know, invest in my health and well-being. My clients receive all of that for a fraction of the investment. They're receiving everything that I've learned. They literally receive the knowledge and everything and the strategies and the tools that I have. So is it easy? Yes, if you keep it simple, if you don't overcomplicate it. Um, but I can see what I can see why people have barriers. And also, here we go. We grew up, yes, <laughs> not talking about money. <laughs> or if we did, it was usually, do you know how much your school fees are? Do you know how much those new shoes are? Money was always very negative, wasn't it? It doesn't grow on trees, it this, it that, it the other. But you know, I was talking to one of my clients yesterday and she said, This has been the most valuable thing I've ever done. In fact, one of my clients invested in my program and didn't take her children on holiday this year because she felt that this was a better investment into her children's future than taking them on holiday. And the result after leaving the program was she said that her relationship with her husband was better, but her relationship with her children was better. I love that. Um, Naomi, you are absolutely amazing. I already knew you were amazing, but I think you're even more amazing after this podcast. Tell my listeners where they can find you if they want a bit of your goodness, if they want to work with you, if they want to follow your journey, where's the best place to connect? Of course. Well, I am a little bit of a Facebook bunny. So um, just Naomi Holbrook at Facebook. Uh, I'm also on Instagram. I'm going to have to give you the link to that. <laughs> I can put the link yes. in the show notes, can't I? So any links that you want to send me, I'll put them all in the show notes. Go and find Naomi Absolutely. on Facebook and then follow the links in the show notes. There we go. Simple as that. Don't overcomplicate it. Like I say in life, don't overcomplicate it. Naomi, you've been a dream. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on your lovely podcast, Charlie.